0: Welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager, the mobile management simulator. On this week's edition, the Russian Grand Prix, it's a maiden victory for F1's newest flying fin, and his teammate said he would have been faster if he were faster. That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and joining me this week from Crash.net is Josh Cruz. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me. I wish we could have had a better race to have you on for. <laughs> I always feel regret whenever this is the case, but you know, nonetheless, we have to talk about it, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's not, not the best display of Formula 1, especially when they're trying to really push the fan engagement as well. So
0: Even Vlad was there? Yeah, now uh, standard.
1: more than halfway through the race he pops in, but he, he was always there to make that podium room very, very... <laughs> <laughs> Very awkward indeed. two <laughs> time as well. I know, I feel, felt up. very sorry for Sebastian. But it's villain. great that the hotels are full in Sochi, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there was a race before that. In yeah. fact, I mean, we can't even not mention here that the race was won by a first time race winner, which is one of the most important things with Formula One, I think, when we have new winners. And it was Valtteri Bonham. It's a very popular winner, I think.
1: Definitely. You say. Very popular in the paddock, as yeah. you know as well. Um, yeah. Such a lovely and nice person. I mean, it's not like no one's a nice person who's winning. Mm-hmm. But you know, just to see someone break through and, and get his first win, he was just so elated as well. You know, like Sebastian yeah. went up and pat him in the back. He's like, this is your first one, isn't he? He's like, yep. Yeah. Really happy with this.
0: <laughs> I like, uh, I've Took its time. It well, yeah, <laughs> How many... It was the same with this race win, the same with his first poll uh, a couple of weeks ago where he had to tell people it was his first. Like It was just like, well done, Belter. He got a poll. He's like, guys, it's my first one. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same this time.
1: Like, is that your first race win? Definitely, especially he hasn't won a race. Since uh, September in 2011, where he won his last mm. G 3 race in his title-winning year in, uh, in Monza.
0: Which is a good stat, and really goes to emphasize, I mean, he's been so uh, so very well-hyped over this time in Formula 1. Obviously not had the machinery, which I think Sebastian Vettel noted after there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so finally delivering on that promise.
1: Yeah, and well, you're right, he was, he was very well-hyped, because he even had a whole season off just to be the Williams test driver. Mm, he exactly. went from GP3 championship, yeah, he won that, mm-hmm. and then he went Williams test driver, and then straight into this race seat mm-hmm. um, uh, to partner with Felipe Massa.
0: And it wasn't as easy as perhaps some people might have thought it would be given he joined Mercedes, three time world championship constructing team, so dominant over the last three years. He really had, even if it wasn't an outstanding drive, as we will get through, it was an extremely solid and consistent drive under um, the immense pressure of Sebastian Vettel, a four time world championship driver. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll get into exactly how that was, because really it came down to, first of all, the start, as all good races, I guess, come down to in Formula One, because he only managed to qualify third. And it seemed as though during qualifying, given Mercedes' silver bullet, if you like, has always been that qualifying mode, not having them on the front row, it almost seemed like it was all lost from that point. But he managed to rescue it with that with that first lap.
1: Yeah, well, that a really great start off the line as did Sebastian you can't take that away from him
0: absolutely no um, similar but, starts i thought
1: yeah they they both had very good starts but Valtteri had the benefit of you know slipstreaming behind the ferrari into mm-hmm. that long long over a kilometer straight into the turn yeah. 2 the notorious turn 2 that you know mm-hmm. provides so much action over the past yeah. 3 years um so he was able to you know dispose of the ferrari onto his left and then just dive into the into the corner and mm-hmm. you know he was set and he had the pace in that first into To really, you know, put the hammer down and and build that what four second buffer he had, or
0: yeah, just thereabouts, which has been interesting because it was a complete reversal of roles in some respects. Because as much as we say that unusual this round, Mercedes wasn't able to lock out the front row. Normally the opposite is then true in the race. Ferrari so far this season very good race pace. We all remember Australia, Mm. similarly sort of straightforward affair. Let's say where Vettel was able to follow really closely Lewis Hamilton, whereas. That wasn't the case here in Russia, where Vettel wasn't so easily able to follow, and that's largely down to Bottas's pace. But nonetheless, the race pace role seemed reversed.
1: It was a very yeah, exactly right. It was reversed, um, and it was a very weird race watching as well. I mean, a lot of people didn't enjoy that race. Um, <laughs> it's fair <to> unfortunately. Say. <laughs> yeah, but it was a race of numbers. Yeah, I mean, and that's that goes into another thing of you know how much data should be, will be showing on the TV, but mm-hmm. if you, if you have the app next to you and you're watching, you know, and you're paying that $42 per season yes. to watch these numbers go around after lap, um, you can set, you can see the lap times of the drivers and, you know, so Mercedes were quite comfortable, or mm-hmm. at least Bottas was in the first year. You know, Hamilton was in his own world mm-hmm. falling behind Kimi Räikkönen. Yeah. And what, like, you know, he, I think, you know, the pundits on the, on the rate, on the TV were saying, you know, he's, he's in dirty air that he's not. The cars on not coping. It yeah, was it was nah. one point five, two seconds, yeah. sometimes three seconds behind, and eventually Kimi. further. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, so there was, yeah, I mean, and he was still having problems, so mm-hmm. it wasn't the turbulent air that was that was hindering that Mercedes. It was mm-hmm. something else. Like they've the chinks are definitely showing in the armour again. Yeah, like his last retirement was in Malaysia last year. when yeah, exactly. That effectively cost him the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, they've still been quite good. He he went on to win every race after that. I think. Yeah. Um, now. His his car's like overheating. He he's, he's frantically radioing the team saying, mm-hmm. What's happening to my car? It's overheating. Uh, you know, this is good, Lewis, just try and keep it down and mm-hmm. they've got nothing else to say because they, i don't think them, they themselves know why the car is overheating
0: well it's, in, it's really interesting because now we're seeing these mercedes niggles and some of them i guess we could describe as phantom niggles i know lewis hamilton on the radio was saying things like the power's cutting in and out i think he said that in australia as well and when he was asked after he said no there were no problems with the engine so whether or not there were i guess remains in question but these niggles it seems have actually been there for a while i mean we remember you know some of the Russia last year, I guess, was a good example as well where Hamilton had uh, a water pressure problem, I think it was, yeah. and it meant he couldn't challenge Nico Rosberg, and normally when Mercedes in the last three years have said, God, that race was so difficult when they dominated, and yeah. they'd say, we had all these problems, You'd go, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's Mercedes. so
1: hard to finish one, two, again mm. and but again. But now
0: that these niggles are happening when Ferrari's just there rather than 30 seconds down the road, they're actually starting to pay for them, so I wonder whether or not you, we've, and maybe even to a degree, Mercedes has taken the relative reliability for granted and now that it's costing them, it's not so easy
1: anymore. Well, they've never been bulletproof anyway. Exactly, I mean, the, yeah. Every season, they have run into some sort of trouble, but it's mm-hmm. just, they've had that 20-second buffer over race where yeah. like, no one's within an earshot of you know actually catching them and went, mm-hmm. going for a win, but now that Ferrari have just taken a massive leapfrog over, over Red Bull mm-hmm. and now a challenging and successfully challenging Mercedes, they've got no room for error, and you know when those errors do come, mm-hmm. uh, they've got nowhere to hide, and and Ferrari capitalising and you know not shooting themselves in the foot with poor strategy choices like they have in the past.
0: Yeah, and this race is a fine example. We will talk about Lewis Hamilton a little bit later. Although how much more is there really to talk about a guy who finished thirty something seconds behind the leader? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a race traditionally Mercedes has dominated. In fact, they would led every single lap in the history of the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi up until this year. In fact, they almost did it as well in this race, where yeah, it not it for until Vettel yeah. came out of the pits and. Yeah, for some pit stop changes there. But this really illustrates that strategy for Mercedes has become extremely important, as have those little reliability niggles, because there was this standoff in the first stint as to how the pit stops were going to fall, and Mercedes had to make a call that potentially could have cost them the race when they pitted Bottas more or less where they expected, lap 27, maybe a little bit later. But then Vettel and Ferrari were bold and took a gamble. Well, I think
1: it it was a bit of game of chicken. Yeah. To, to, like, the whole, like, when are, when are they going to pit? When are they going to pit? And yeah, I'll tell you what, like, there, there were only a couple drivers that started the race on alternative strategies. Mm-hmm. You had Van Dorn and the two sabers of Verlein and Ericsson, who started on the Super Softs, tried something different, didn't work. They pitted under the safety car under lap one, mm-hmm. threw the Ultrasofts on, and they didn't even make them last. Like, even though, you know. Yeah, unusually. Even though Nico Hulkenberg could make them last, which I'm sure you'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lasted only a handful of laps, and then they it again for another set mm-hmm. so you know like there wasn't that many options for for the strategy and so i'm not sure where mercedes could have gone they probably should have tried something a bit earlier mm-hmm. i mean there's only i think four two four six seven seven pit stops before the halfway point of the race mm-hmm. it's not exactly not re endorser for what f1 should be mm-hmm. yeah, and on know, the softest has to yeah exactly yeah. right on the on the most degradable tire yeah. we have yeah that have been bumped up a step since mm-hmm. last year.
0: Did 40 out of 52 laps in the hands of Nico Ro- Hülkenberg I mean, exactly
1: right and probably could have kept going as well. Yeah, like exactly. He, I was watching his times quite closely. He wasn't that far off. No. His pace was good for the Renault, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not the doesn't have the best race pace, but consistently popping in higher 1 minute 30s mm-hmm. and so,
0: as we'll talk about in a moment with Sebastian Vettel we'll talk about the track just briefly because it is sort of a, a perfect storm combination for F1 in 2017 we've got these cars that are sort of naturally difficult to follow one another because there's so much aerodynamic emphasis we've got Pirelli who have made their tyres essentially one step harder this year so this year's Ultra Soft is the Super Soft from last year which is exactly the softest tyre they brought to last year exactly, yeah, and the, the, the
1: choice the drivers had yeah. what, last year was the Super softs, Softs and the Mediums so mm-hmm. with this new formula they've had and they've bumped all the compounds higher they haven't they haven't given the drivers an option to Mm -hmm. to deviate from last year's strategy what can we do different this year because they've essentially been handed the same sets of tyres
0: exactly and combine that with a not the most inspiring circuit in the world mostly 90 degree corners oh
1: 90 degree corners a couple of off-camber ones that shake Mm -hmm. the drivers up a bit and a close semi-street circuit where visually unesthetic yeah, to be to be said, like and lacking imagination right. as well. Yes, um, so even the prospect of having that as a night race doesn't really no, um, doesn't really. No
0: capturing Excite. of the imagination no. here, no. Um and on top of all of those things, those excellent combination of factors, a tarmac that is almost uniquely smooth on the calendar. I know we've got a couple of other smooth ones, but this one produces such minimal degradation that all of those factors combine. That's the
1: thing. I mean, a lot of lot of um a lot of tracks are resurfacing there. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're all, like, even the old Great tracks like Hungary got resurfaced. And, yeah, less um, character last year yep, when it was, yep. it was Silverstone's done. been resurfaced. Yeah. And that's been changed in the past as well, as we know. Mm-hmm. And even China had that bump removed that challenged drivers. I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't really mind that they removed it or not, but it was just mm-hmm. that little element that got of worse character. and worse every year. Yeah. And it it caught people out. Mm-hmm. But they, oh, we need to get rid of that because it's it's a bump and it's yeah. going to throw the drivers off and it's going to... Uh, it might it might make the racing more exciting. Oh.
0: It frustrates me that we have these smooth circuits, especially because it's not only just lack of degradation, but lack of grip. And in a, in a year where grip is at a premium, because it's so hard to follow each other already.
1: And, and teams if, like Red Bull are suffering as well, because like yeah, okay, Red Bull do struggle to warm their tires up maybe more than mm-hmm. other teams. So with a su- smoother surface and these harder compound tires, they're mm-hmm. just really not getting their tires warmed on. As say Daniel Ricciardo. Um, suffered yeah. last last round in in Bahrain
0: exactly. So we bring this back to Sebastian Vettel. Obviously, limited opportunities here to undercut or overcut those two famous strategy words in Formula One these days. Vettel did the so-called overcut, where he stayed out seven laps longer. But the crossover was so fine, given there was so little degradation, that it sort of made minimum difference in a sense of how much time he lost or won from the pit stop itself. But what it did give him was an opportunity to use slightly fresher tyres, seven lap newer tyres, against Bottas in that final stint. Now, he actually lost a bit of time in terms of the pit stop. He was only two and a bit seconds behind when Valtteri stopped, and he was four and a half behind, or 4.6 behind when he eventually came out after his stop. But I guess the strategy more or less worked, considering they finished mm. less than a second. Uh, it was, it with- wasn't the
1: smoothest of pit stops, if you looked at it as well. No. He probably lost maybe a couple tenths um, mm. with a, the front left I thing took a bit going on, but other than yeah. that it was still a decent stop. You can't, yeah. you can't blame anything on that. But they weren't really provided with... Like, they, they didn't have many choices mm-hmm. um to go for so when you know people was I, was I saw people tweeting you know he should be pitting now he should be responding to mercedes i thought his t- his times were exactly the same as, exactly, as who yeah. had pitted mm-hmm. why would you like risk okay we might yeah. not get these tires turned on for mm-hmm. some reason say it might be a couple degrees cooler yeah, yeah why why would we risk that when he's consistently putting in one minute 38s or mid mm-hmm. one minute 38s whatever he was putting in yeah so i was happy that ferrari you know took a bold move i think it paid off like they may have being able to pit one or two laps earlier to give mm. him that extra time to catch Bottas mm-hmm. in the lead. But either way, like even he, he's at the end, like towards the end, I, I couldn't catch him even even if yeah. Massa held me up and I didn't like it.
0: <laughs> Which is a wonderful, like sneaky extra yep. dimension to this race. The fact that we're oh, a former Bottas teammate. Did he help Bottas uh, get a win? Who bros for say? life. I know. Right? Toto says he owes him beers. I'm sure he'll take that given it's his essential second retirement year. Uh, but I think what was interesting in that case was that Um, yes, they bet on that uh, tyre offset there, and we talk about whether or not they should have pitted that lap exactly. And it was really interesting to see the lap or two just before lap 34, which is when he ultimately stopped. Ferrari, would they knew they were going to call him in. They called him in one lap, and then they decided not to have him in because, and this is sort of a little bit of a glimpse into how these kind of calls are made, they were monitoring how far back Kimi Raikkonen was and whether or not Vettel would put them in the unusual situation of having Vettel behind Raikkonen, but still be the more aggressive driver.
1: Yeah, that that, that was the problem they faced. I mean, the Ferrari was like clearly the fast, the faster car. It was mm-hmm. faster than Mercedes on the super soft tire. The mm-hmm. ultra softs, I think, Mercedes had the edge of them.
0: And Friday showed that as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think they knew that as well. Like I mean, mm-hmm. we could say hindsight's twenty twenty, but. I think they had the problem of Raikkonen; mm-hmm. they they couldn't clear him. If they if they released Vettel behind Raikkonen after that pit stop race over, yeah, so they needed to keep him out. That's why you saw those dummy pit stops. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they were waiting for Raikkonen to have a, a slightly dodgy lap to yep. give Vettel the breathing space you know, to pit.
1: Could be inevitable. You know, yeah, some people could say. Well, I mean, but yeah, to his credit, to his credit, he did keep up. He only just got in front of him as well. Yeah, but I mean, you know, yeah. once once he had that you know extra uh, leeway, he had the clean air in front of him to to put those tyres to good work, he Mm -hmm. quickly caught Bottas.
0: Yeah, and that's when those last 18 laps is when this race actually came alive. The gap didn't close quickly at first, but we talked about the pressure at the start of this show uh, that Bottas was put under, and it did show viscerally at one point. Massive lock-up, flat spotted his tyre, his pace dropped off a a couple of laps after that, and he managed to stabilise afterwards, but that was the moment where suddenly this was a, a race. Battle smells blood, he's going for it. Yeah. Um, I think even Ferrari's pit radio, when they are obviously notifying Vettel the whole time, they said, Look, he's going to make a mistake. <laughs> you should go for it. They were very sure. <laughs> yep. Which is. Uh, oh, they're just yeah. giving
1: Vettel confidence to keep pushing because it's, yeah. it's a. You know, it, 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 he's, he's still a rookie in mm-hmm. you know, a in a big team. Yeah. I mean, not a rookie driver, but in a big team. Mm-hmm. He hasn't won a race yet, and that's the hardest one to win, your first one. Absolutely. So, you know, Vettel, I think Vettel was consistently catching him. He did a very good job of catching him. It was a couple of tens per lap, and it was definitely mm-hmm. going to be there. But he sort of, it sort of um plateaued a bit once he got to the 1.4 seconds 1.2 yeah. seconds he could never break the DRS zone mm-hmm. so he he had he had a big trouble to to break that DRS zone and, and actually push for a challenge for the last few laps mm-hmm. i'm not sure maybe there was a turbulent air Maybe well, yeah. Maybe his ties just. maybe he's had it.
0: It was interesting to hear them in the green room, the cool-down room just before the podium. They were talking about, as they were going through the traffic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were saying even two seconds, you could hear them talking about behind a car. They were losing downforce and losing grip because, of course, yeah, we talked about Felipe Massa. There were other backmarkers as well. They had to pass in those last five or so laps. The The effect of that losing grip following a car was severe in Sochi, which really made it difficult even. Even had Vettel just had him and Bottas for the last five laps, whether or not he would have been close enough to launch a pass on a car that was more or less of a similar pace would have been a question.
1: Yeah, I mean, he would have needed another five or six laps at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did catch him because of traffic, and that's yep. part of that's part of racing. Mm-hmm. But to in a straight line, the Mercedes still had it because you know you don't need your tyres for a straight line. It's mm-hmm. still a decent engine. Yeah, still probably one of the best. Mm-hmm. And there's two massive long straights on that Russian circuit. Yeah, yeah. So. To one to be able to get in the DRS zone and make it effective enough mm-hmm. challenge to slipstream, he got it off the start, but that's that's a start; it's a different situation. Yeah, of course. So running into, I mean, I think when he did have DRS and they showed the graphic of how fast the cars were actually going, he was mm-hmm. only matching his pace, where the DRS is yeah. meant to give you at least ten kilometers of an mm-hmm. advantage. Yeah. So it just shows them, say, he still you know have a lot of power left in their mm-hmm. in their power unit. So I, I, I'm not convinced, and I'm sure Sebastian said as well, he's not convinced he was going to pass him anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Very gracious of Vettel in any case, though, to yep. at least give Bottas the moment saying, look, he was the better driver of the day. And indeed he was, as I think we've covered now. That was yep. The world a great voted in the driver of the day as well. Well, wow, that means Max so Max lost much. out. Yeah, a rare loss yeah. for Max Verstappen as well. Yeah, he might have to recover in, in Barcelona. Oh, yeah. No, I Top 10 finish, we'll, we'll see to that. <laughs> Even a retirement it, let's be <laughs> honest. If we look elsewhere down the grid for other... Something, something to grasp onto in this race of strategy. We did have Nico Hulkenberg, as we alluded to earlier, did 40 laps on the ultra soft. But even this was kind of, if you like, the same reason Vettel did. In the same way, Vettel lost two places off the, or one place, I beg your pardon, off the start. Hulkenberg lost two in what was an unfortunate way to begin. Was a pretty good qualification for Renault, and spent the whole race on this unusual 40 lap strategy to try and make that up. And he, I guess he. It, it would have worked on any other circuit, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, that Renault is is quite good in race trim, I think, now. Like, I mean, it's mm. not it's not, it's not, not there yet, but they're scoring points now. I mean, you yeah. think of there's some last year. that were, Well, one of them is. Well, one of them is, but I, I'm a bit more lenient on Jolyon mm-hmm. than more, most other people. I mean, it's not, he's not doing himself any favours sometimes with the crash in mm-hmm. Australia. And, and even in Sochi, that was a bit of a weird one where he took the in curb Wally. too much. I mean... Yeah. Uh, that that's just a bit unfortunate and just a misjudgment. It but, looks like
0: a pressure error, I think. He's yeah, aware that there's a lot of pressure is, but, now. He is, but
1: he's still got the pace. You don't become a GB2 champion and mm-hmm. fending off Stoffel Van Dorn, who's highly rated in McLaren Absolutely. And, and the F1 world as well. Mm-hmm. You don't see him off in a G- GB2 championship mm-hmm. for nothing. Yeah. You know, arguably, Van Dorn had the better team in GB2 with ART. Mm-hmm. So Took him another year to win it. It did. Yeah. Well, he dominated. Okay, yeah, he if, did dominate, know, Fair respect to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but getting back to Hockenberg, yeah, but, so yeah, yeah, the, the, the Renault, the Renault has taken a massive step, just like Ferrari yeah. has as well, and 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 you know, kudos to them for taking another strategy where there was they were very limited in strategy mm-hmm. in the, yeah. the options this race. I mean, they could have followed um, a Force India um, or everyone else, for example, where mm-hmm. they they did the one stop stop after halfway of the race and see it see to the end, and maybe hopefully someone crashes out as another, another safety car. Yeah, but they chose to run the tires to forty laps. Hulkenberg's mm-hmm. um, pace was very good on those four laps he probably could have mm-hmm. even gone a couple laps theoretically could have gone to the end of it the race He could have race. gone yeah but yeah. you know obviously regulations prevent that mm-hmm. um, but you know he although you know again hindsight 2020 20, he could have finished he could have uh, pitted three or four laps earlier and then he might have cashed uh, Exaban Ocon mm-hmm. because he finished what two seconds yeah. behind, him. He he really behind him but yeah, yeah, he was really pressing him most of it yeah, yeah. he was definitely um, pressuring the Force mm-hmm. India so you know had he uh, stopped a couple laps earlier he might have challenged but You know, just kudos to them for trying something different in this, Mm -hmm. you know, a bit of a... Uh, snoozefest (laughs) of a race. Well, it's a kind of
0: race where you have to do something different to have any advantage because everyone does the same thing. Everyone finishes where they started essentially unless something weird does happen. Interesting, we talk about the development of the Renault car and they have started putting more bits on the car and of course Barcelona is a big race where everyone gets upgrades and so on and so forth but the fact he could do, and yes the circuit was weird not a lot of degradation but 40 laps nonetheless with such limited degradation does suggest that could be an emerging strength of the Renault in the future. We talk about cars that are light on their tyres. Ferrari is one we know this year, as they did a similar style of strategy, but maybe something to keep an eye on with Hülkenberg and Renault, that combination. Yeah,
1: possibly. I mean, Sauber did it in China as well. Marcus Ericsson ran... I think over forty laps is what well, in in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't competitive pace, and the Sal was not really challenging any team yet. Yeah. But you know, I was speaking to him in China, and he was pretty proud of the fact that he mm-hmm. he, he managed forty plus laps on on a single. It might have been the soft compound tire, or yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was. But um, so yeah, I think you know teams are looking at it, mm-hmm. but it's just not the strategy of choice. I think it's just an alternative to a, yeah, a situation exactly. where what else can we do? We can't follow mm-hmm. the trend here and just finish behind another car because it's hard to overtake.
0: Mm-hmm. And we should talk briefly as well about the drivers, and we have mentioned them that did try something different and couldn't pull it off. Uh, we always have to give them credit because they give it a go, uh, even if they're starting from the back, which enables them to do so. Van Dorn, Ericsson, Verlein all started on the Supersoft, only drivers to do so, which really, really showed how standard the strategies were here that no one else even dared to try. And they got exactly what they wanted, that crash between Palmer and Grosjean, brought out the safety car in within one lap of the Grand Prix, enabled them to switch and try and do... Essentially, a zero stop race, yep. and they just couldn't do it. They all stopped before lap twenty-four, which is earlier than even Bottas stopped. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, I don't. I'm I'm lost for words in that one because mm-hmm. something
1: something just didn't work. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, McLaren's an exception. I think they're just trying to see the end of the race, Then mm-hmm. they're honestly not fo- fighting for points. But Sauber, like, they need to be trying different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they have in the past, and it's it's worked. Like, they just need to be there when things go wrong in the top yeah, 10 which you know it, last it, it did year. yeah and, and yeah. in Brazil last year when mm-hmm. Felipe you know sold his own seat by getting the <laughs> yeah. getting the points in Brazil
0: and i suppose as a final note to this race we can give brief mention to the drivers that could have done more whether their fault or otherwise we've mentioned hamilton who simply said if he had better pace he would have been further up yeah, Can't argue of, with think, that Yeah I think a lot of The other drivers Would say the same thing <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, Well at least he's honest I suppose Yeah Fernando
1: Probably says the same thing Every other week I think so yep. If he had
0: a car To race As is the situation yeah. here A DNS Which is well, Probably the worst kind Of not participation You yeah. can get in Formula You're 1 You tease with
1: the formation lap And only yep. pull over In the pit lane Don't even get to see the box not no.
0: a, Couldn't even get back Into the box Which no. is tragic for him One race to go to Lindy For him though I guess we can say yeah. New parts coming in Spain Will they make a difference Who knows
1: Yeah I mean What what, what parts are coming In Spain though mm. Because he's convinced they have one of the best cars in the corners, probably the fastest car in the corner. Yeah. Where's the engine for that? Where's the power unit mm. for that?
0: He's in career best form as well. He he's is. done, is it three best races in a row and yep. the best ever qualifying he's ever done yep. in Russia? So. You know, he's just it's hard to judge ourselves, but he does it quite well.
1: Yep, yep. And he's confident in his abilities, just given yep.
0: given give the power unit. Certainly very confident in his abilities. Uh, and briefly, Daniel Ricciardo, the second did not finish of uh, four Grand Prix now for him. Yep. Uh, just It's it's an uh, interesting sign for Red Bull Racing, because they're obviously pushing the envelope, given their car's not where they want it to be. And this is two brake failures in a row after Verstappen lost his brakes in Bahrain, which is probably something that's going to be troubling them leading up to Spain.
1: Oh, I just hope they're not going to become the new Haas of... <laughs> That's such an interesting story of 2016. Yeah, from Brembo uh, to
0: Carbon Industries and in Brembo in one yeah, weekend. In one
1: weekend, you know, like even towards the end of last year, that was dominating the press conferences mm-hmm. with with Haas. Um, you know, well, wh- when are you going to run the new ones? Okay, we're going to test the new Carbon mm. Industry in, in Brazil. Okay, you're going to use them? No, because it, <laughs> it takes a long time to build them. You know, yeah. okay, well, when maybe next year? Mm. Great, that's <laughs> uh, so. Well, I just hope Red Bull, you know, sort sort out their their brake issues. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not really characteristic of Red Bull to have, you know, two issues in a row. For example, and brakes, yeah.
0: you know, the, an unusual issue to have.
1: It is. I mean, you you can have overheating. You can have a Renault issue where they can point the finger at Renault like they like they're, they're, they're comfortable doing. Do. Yeah. <laughs> um. But a, yeah, brake issues is a, is a curious one for for Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I think.
0: So I'll leave you with a final question, though. Uh, We've talked about this race. The Spanish Grand Prix is next. We've talked about how Russia was predictably a bit slow. Spain is not always the best race either, and it's not just because of the track. It's usually because, well, they test here. They know this circuit so inside out. They've tested all the tyres here in the pre-season. They theoretically know exactly what they're going to do around it. Do you feel like we could get a good race? A lot of upgrades coming.
1: Yeah, I think we have to pin our hopes on the upgrades, really. Yep. Um, we have to see what Mercedes can bring to, you know, tape up the issues on mm-hmm. on their car. We need to see how, if Ferrari can capitalize because a question that I asked a Ferrari and I think many others did as well was how they're going to continue their, yeah. their, um, their improvements and their updates without mm-hmm. the guy who built the car.
0: Yeah, well, already on their third of four turbochargers, I know, yeah, from so this that, weekend. So. so,
1: you know... So the the championship race could only last mm, um, until, six rounds, and yeah. until they start getting penalties every every three or four races. So yeah, so yeah, we do have to pin our hopes on upgrades because, like you said, it is a very well known circuit to every driver,
0: mm-hmm. every uh, driver, every team, I mean, everyone.
1: I mean, you think about last 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 year's race was great because obviously the two Mercs took each other out. Yeah, but also. You have to remember that Vettel was faster than Verstappen mm-hmm. and, and pushing him, but he there was nowhere to pass on this track. Yeah, it was it a was tense very difficult race, which was it was good. tense.
0: But there was you know, and, I, and I,
1: I, you know you don't need passing for Absolutely. good racing, like we saw mm-hmm. you know, in Russia, because yeah. even though Vettel didn't pass but it still provided a great mm-hmm. last few laps. But you know, um, with Barcelona. I think you do need a couple of passes because it can't be a procession from start to finish or a one-stop yeah. race.
0: Yeah, yeah. But You don't want that uh, heading into Europe and then heading into Monaco, which inevitably is. Because we so yeah, we're,
1: we've we've set ourselves up for Monaco. We know what we're getting ourselves yeah, into. Yeah, exactly. Just get excited the, by the yachts and nuts. Get excited all we need. by the yachts, the celebrities you see on the grid. Yeah, how great is that? Yeah, and that's then, all very thrilling. And <laughs> you see a couple of crashes. So you can guarantee that.
0: Yeah. So well, we all look forward to Spain. It's a new upgrade. Let's just talk about the upgrades. Pretend we're McLaren. Talk about the upgrades. I think that's the strategy from here on. Inter- yeah, that's
1: all you got to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, in McLaren and Red Bull. To be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they bring bringing almost a half or almost a new car, Probably a whole new car. I'm yeah. surprised
0: they haven't had to do a crash test on it. Really, on that yeah. cheery note, I suppose. Josh, it'd be a pleasure to have you on. Thank Sorry you for, for the poor me. race, but it's been yeah. good. <laughs> And that was the strategy report for the 2017 Russian Grand Prix. But if you want to read more about the strategy from this week's race, you can go to f1strategyreport.com for the pit stop stats, tyre data and a write-up from all the action in Sochi. The strategy report is powered by the 2017 edition of mobile game Apex Race Manager, the number one new racing game in Germany, Italy and Australia. You can go and get yourself a free copy of Apex Race Manager from the iTunes and Google Play stores. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter and I'll catch you in two weeks time for the Spanish Grand Prix.